Hi guys, thanks for coming. Thanks for spending time with us. Uh, I'm Bobby Johnson. This is my lovely wife, Shari. Uh, thanks for letting us uh, share what is God, God has done in our lives, and uh, we hope that we'll encourage you. Uh, first, a quick prayer. Father God, thank you for your grace and endless blessings that we don't deserve. Please open our eyes and our hearts to your truth, and if there is anything useful in our story, please let it come through tonight. You are mighty and filled with love and compassion for us, even when we are lost and far from you. There is no marital problem or other issue here tonight that is bigger than you, God. We love you. We know that you love us where we are and love us, not, love us enough not to leave us there. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Bobby and I were both born and raised in Texas. We've been together for 20, 21 years. Yeah. And uh, married for 15 this coming November. We have two boys. Um, Austin, who's 11, and Wyatt, who's 6, and we've been going to Watermark now for about 8 years. As for my background and family, I wasn't raised on any kind of organized religion. My uh, parents were divorced when I was 18 months old because my father was gay. I usually don't mention that up front because uh, people often tune out for a minute when they hear that. Uh, this played out badly for me because the rest of the family was deathly afraid that I would turn out to be gay too. So even at a very young age, I was encouraged to notice women, look at cheerleaders, and so on. This was like throwing gasoline on a fire. I was already very attracted to women. I started a lifelong addiction of pornography, starting with Playboy at the age of eight, with the encouragement of a relative thinking she was helping me. I grew up with a series of stepfathers until I was uh, 12, and my mom's fourth husband seemed to stick. They were married for 20-plus years, and he was the first stable father figure I ever had. He taught me about being a man, not so much by what he said, but I watched what he did. He was a good moral man, became a Freemason, and passed away just a few years ago. Just about the time I hit puberty, I was trying to leave anything about God and the Bible behind. I asked questions of the Christians I knew, but no one I knew could give me what I thought were intellectually honest answers to the hard questions. How do I know the Bible is God's word? How do I know Jesus is who he says he was? And why does God let bad things happen? Like not letting me turn the page. <laughs> and, I, and I do need my notes or I'll wind up talking about my fifth grade science project or something. He will. So... So 1 Peter 3.15 says, But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. I spent most of my adult life far from God, actively running away from him. If you count abortion as murder, then I've broken all ten of the commandments. I don't know how to give more details about my past hedonism without it sounding like bragging. So trust me when I tell you, I was lost and completely bought into the world's lies. Living in the darkness, I mocked everything Christians stood for, and I did it with gusto. Proverbs 18, 1 and 2. An unfriendly person pursues selfish ends and against all sound judgment starts quarrels. Fools find no pleasure in understanding but delight in airing their own opinions. And I grew up in a volatile household. My father was physically abusive to my mother, and when I was 15... My mother took my two brothers and I to live in a women's shelter uh, where we stayed there for three weeks hiding from him. My mother believed in the Lord and always spoke of him, but I didn't understand how God could do this to us. My mother then remarried a man who also had three children and together had one more. So all nine of us lived together in one tiny house, and 
because of the divorce and the remarriage, I had to start over again at a new high school. In hindsight, God was looking after me. A sweet girl I met introduced me to others she knew and befriended me. They all invited me to go to church with them, and I loved it. And at church camp the summer before my senior year, I gave myself over to the Lord, and I was baptized. I had head knowledge of what that meant. I thought if I was good and helped people, then all was fine. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And it is not from yourselves. It is a gift from God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. But after high school, I stopped running with those friends that I'd made at church, and I went completely wild. I began drinking and experimenting with drugs, and because of my promiscuity and other poor choices, I became pregnant. I was scared, and out of fear and selfishness, I made a very conscious decision to abort the child. I pursued a career as a technology geek, uh, bought the latest gadgets, pursuing anything that interested me, following my own selfish nature, even got married and then divorced within a year, chased women and let sex dictate my life. All the while, something was missing. I would move from one philosophy or ism to another, trying to find what was missing. I read books on psychology and comparative religion and philosophy for pleasure. Uh, I... At first being excited, thinking I'd found a, a real answer at last, only discovered that when I chased these ideas to their logical conclusion, they were just another dead-end excuse for the truth. Slowly, I began to live life closer to the straight and narrow, uh, but never consciously trying to please or know God, just dropping the most destructive behaviors that I had survived long enough to realize didn't work. And I met Bobby in 1995, and we were pretty much inseparable. After only a few months of dating, we moved in together. I didn't see anything wrong with it at the time. All of my friends were living with their boyfriends. Bobby and I got married in the fall of 2001, and after a couple of years of marriage, we started trying to have a child. And one afternoon, Bobby had to rush me to the hospital because I was having severe abdominal cramps. I didn't know I was pregnant at the time until we got into the emergency room where I learned I was having a miscarriage. It was our first pregnancy, and we had lost the baby, and I was devastated. Several months later, I found out I was pregnant again, and we were very excited about this child. During a doctor's visit, it turned out I had an ectopic pregnancy with internal bleeding. It was life-threatening, and I was immediately rushed into emergency surgery. I remember after the surgery looking at a friend and asking them if this was God's way of punishing me for having the abortion. About a year after this, I got pregnant again, but fear dominated most of that pregnancy. But our little blessing was born happy and healthy. And after the birth of our son, Bobby and I slowly drifted apart, feeling like I had to control everything and make all of the decisions, feeling very alone and disconnected from him. I even remember sitting on the couch one night after our son had gone to bed, and I looked at Bobby and I just told him how lonely I felt, even though we were sitting in the same room. I met my wife, Shari, and I was finally ready to get married again after much patience on Shari's part. Um, I was madly in love with her, and with the birth of my son, after several misadventures, I began to wonder if I was capable of being a good father, not to mention a good husband or even a good man. The miscarriages and ectopic pregnancy put a deep fear into me and made me realize how little control I really had. I'd almost lost Shari, and the prospect made me fearful, overprotective, and timid. Everything I learned from the various self-help and personal growth 
efforts over the years I had, had taken me about as far as they could. My marriage was dying and I couldn't figure out how to stop it. Divorce was the most likely outcome and I was in despair. Paralyzed with fear, a classic case of failure to lead in passivity. My addiction to pornography was taking its toll as well. I was letting a computer fantasy world steal time, energy, and affections from my wife. And this only added to the downward spiral. And at this time in our marriage, you could say that Bobby and I were more like roommates. The distance that had grown between us was pretty deep. I would spend most of my evenings in the bedroom watching TV while he spent the evening in the living room doing the same or on his computer. I was sad, depressed, lonely. I started contemplating divorce and what that might look like. I started picturing my son and myself without Bobby. The world made it sound so easy and okay that the grass was greener and that I could be happier if I just ended this marriage and moved on. Satan was working in my heart. He would have enjoyed seeing my son grow up without his father around. My first visit to Watermark was in January of 2008. I had come with a friend who had invited me. She had a son the same age as ours, so it made it easier to come. I was thinking, you know, it would be good for my son to go to church. Um, Todd's message that day was about marriage and specifically about being undivorced. I remember him saying that if you were still married but not following the Lord's definition of married, marriage, then you were living undivorced. It felt like he was talking to me, that somehow he knew I was walking in the church that day and created this sermon just for me. When in reality, it was Jesus who knew I'd be walking in those doors on that very day. And through the Holy Spirit, he spoke to me. I remember going home that day and telling Bobby about the sermon. I told him I was going to go again the next week and that he could come with me if he wanted. He didn't. Um, but I remember praying that Bobby would come and um, the next week he did. I wasn't excited about going to church. But I, I hope for a little solace and a few new social contacts. I didn't have any uh, men that I could talk to about anything except for technology. And to be honest, I wasn't sure the church building wouldn't cave in on me when I walked in. Todd was in the middle of the first re series, and it seemed like he was talking just to me. I came for six straight weeks, and they were all about me. <laughs> After eight-plus years, a couple have not been about me. What I found were people who had a love and authenticity and energy that I had never seen in church before. They spoke of God's unfailing, unchangeable love for us all, even for me. A love so deep that he would give his only son to pay the price for my wickedness. I heard that I was forgiven and saved by grace. It took a while for me to come around to the conclusion that this might be what I'd been looking for. Not knowing anything better to do, I just prayed my first feeble little prayer. God, I don't know what this is supposed to look like. But if you're there, please come into my heart and let me find out. Romans 8.26, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with wordless groans. At first, I didn't tell people that I went to church here, not because of what they might think of me, but what they might think of the church. <laughs> if they let that guy in, they'll let in anybody. But that's actually the truth but I felt the need to protect my new friends from my past, but they didn't need it. They had a protector and a redeemer already. I began to reading the Bible and found things that I'd never heard before. I began to cultivate a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. 
I, I spoke with committed Christ followers who spoke with an authenticity I never knew from Christians before. My idea of what being a real Christian and a Christ follower was forever changed. No one was afraid of my even toughest questions. I began to pray regularly and found a peace I had not had before. I began to see improvements in my marriage and my other relationships. I still go off in the weeds sometimes, but I know the way back. I still struggle with the lies of this world at times, but I have a hope that I didn't have before. What I was missing was all was there all along. I just never saw God's love and grace for what it was. Unchangeable, unbreakable, unfathomable. Somewhere along the way, my interest in pornography also diminished. I finally threw away my last stash of DVDs one day after reading scripture. James 1, 19 through 21. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. After I jumped in with both feet, my wife began to come around a little at a time. We joined a community group, and I started going to equip disciple, because I didn't even know what I didn't know. What's quiet time and do I need earplugs? We decided to give this new marriage class called Reengage a Shot. 24 weeks? Are you kidding? Okay, let's do it. Two other couples from our community group did reengage with us. It's not 24 weeks for you that guys that are here tonight anymore. You guys got it easy. <laughs> So I remember Bobby wanting to sign up for that first re-engage class that Watermark offered, and I just wasn't ready at all. My heart was hard, and it felt at times that it would never soften towards him. I'm obviously glad we ended up doing it. Focusing on our marriage and focusing on Christ is truly the only way out of the deep funk that our marriage had gotten into. And I'm so very thankful today for what the Lord has blessed me and my sweet family with. We have dear friends that pour into us, love us, and guide us. I no longer feel like I'm being punished for my abortion. There's an amazing ministry here um, called Someone Cares that I went through, and it was just such a blessing to me. And I'm loved, and I'm forgiven, and I'm the daughter of a king. And I have a peace and joy in the blessings that God has given me. And I think about how our little family has grown how awesome our two boys are, and I rejoice at this relationship I have with my husband now and the relationship I have with Jesus Christ. Bobby is my best friend, and there's no place I'd rather be. He's my rock, and I'm thrilled to follow his lead. So we have another picture. Oh, yes. (laughs) So I want to explain this picture. (laughs) We sent this out as a Christmas card a couple of years ago. But this, I wanted to show this because this is where we are today. We would never, eight years ago, have taken a picture like this together. Our life today is filled with fun and joy, and we just wanted to show how much fun we have together now, and we would have never, never done this together eight years ago. So there is hope. There is hope. We still have conflicts and even argue sometimes, but the difference is we are committed to Christ first and then each other. Shari and I now serve as small group facilitators and re-engage, not because we have the perfect marriage, because we don't, but because we know the pain a dysfunctional marriage can bring and feel drawn to do something about it. The fear and sadness can be crippling, and if that's where you are now and wondering if this is for you, yes, it is. There's no better place that I'm aware of, and there's no better time than to start right now. 
And if you have something scary you need to share with your spouse or small group tonight, dig deep and get after it. God is bigger than anything you might be facing. Joshua 1.9, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Thank you for letting us share with you tonight.